Hi, welcome to the Theta Game Podcast, the official podcast at ThetaGame.com. I'm your host, Juni, and thanks for tuning in. These are only my opinions, and anything said in this podcast and future podcasts should not be considered financial advice. I have stock positions in NVIDIA and Apple. Thanks. Okie dokie, uh, the weekly plays. I mean, let's just start off with the earnings stuff uh, so we could talk about the exciting things that happened this last week. Um, before open and after close on Monday, you got nothing. Uh, after close on Tuesday, you have Lululemon and uh, Slack. Before open on Wednesday, you have Lovesack. After close on Wednesday, you have GameStop. Uh after close on Thursday, you have Peloton, Chewy, Oracle, Dave and & Buster's, and Zoomies. And before open on Friday, you have Kroger. Nothing really worth mentioning here. Uh, I don't really follow, uh, well, a majority of these stocks I don't follow. Um, you know, I did have an episode a while ago talking about uh, economics, right, where, oh, I don't know, the stocks that Becky would buy uh, would do pretty well. That included like Ulta, Lululemon, uh, Apple, Starbucks, all that good jazz. Uh, so Lululemon reporting on Tuesday. It's gonna be interesting to see like what their in-store sales look like. I know a lot of them belong in malls, so that that probably go down. But Lululemon is known like even even from like a male software engineer. Like I understand that they're their uh, e-commerce platform is really good their their pipeline is really smooth so like it's going to be cool to see if you know having a good e-commerce page uh and just focusing on tech really pays off so it'll be interesting to see uh what their sales numbers look like for their online platform uh slack you're going to want to see probably uh users and accounts go up Nothing really out of the ordinary for like a cloud or a growth company, um, but I don't know. You know, if you follow me on Twitter, I occasionally, you know, uh, bring up Discord when I talk about Slack. So like when you compare them together, then you're thinking like, you know, Slack makes a lot of money. It's built for the enterprise environment, and you know that's where their moat is. Slack is huge, all the companies use Slack. Well, that's not necessarily the case, right? So Slack being an enterprise platform doesn't quite make them a moat. Um, you know, anybody can easily become an enterprise company. You're just given like one month of structural change and they meet guidelines and regulations, then Discord could do the same thing too. And Discord is changing um, you know, they're branding a little bit. They're moving away. They're not, well, that's not fair to say. They're not moving away from gaming. They're just including um, just better communication across the board and being a little bit more professional. They're still keeping those little tidbits of those loading uh, messages of saying like, oh, be, be sure to thank your mods and all that stuff. So um, they're not losing in touch of what how they started. But this is just more of an argument about like, when people are really bullish on Slack, they like to say, oh, they're, they're an enterprise company, so they get the big accounts. Well, Discord is trying to go there, that route too, and they don't have the pressures of Slack to uh, bring in the profits. So they're, they're allowed to lose money in these scenarios, and they're allowed to you know undercut other people. Slack, although it's a huge company, 
uh, can't take that many risks when it's just it's just so public now. So it's just going to be interesting to see how Slack does um, and if they mention Microsoft Teams and or Discord. Um, before open on Tuesday, I've mentioned Lovesack. You know, I don't I don't really pay attention to the company all too much, but it's like an inside joke for uh, some of us in the Discord about Lovesack being looking really comfy and uh, us having one in the house when we all eventually get one. <laughs> um, and then shout out to one of my roommates. Uh, he bought GameStop a while ago after watching The Big Short <laughs> uh, because it has Michael Burry and Michael Burry. <laughs> after... <laughs> After the movie ended, he was like, you know, does this guy still trade? He seems like a really good trader. And I said, yeah, he does. He he actually went into GameStop the other month. This was a while ago. And uh, so, like, right then and there, he put a market order for GameStop. And he's been long on GameStop ever since. I wonder what GameStop is at right now, to be honest. GameStop stock. Seven, is that high? GameStop stock. It says 765. That sounds high for GameStop. Yeah, this is definitely high, for sure. This is the highest it's been since 2020 and late 2019. Wow, nice. Um, so that's happening. GameStop implied volatility is usually off the charts. Um, I believe their market cap is super small. Yeah, 495 million, not billion. They have a good dividend yield. Um, they don't have a P&E ratio, which means um they don't uh have any profits gamestop shares soar over 27 percent on chewy.com founders stake so i guess someone went in on this yeah okay well i'll be keeping an eye on this uh i probably won't be playing anything on it but it looks definitely fun and interesting um and then after close on thursday anything i want to say here uh, zoomies so I recently started skateboarding and I tried to buy a skateboard from everywhere and anywhere and it's extremely hard to get skateboards right now just because everyone's trying to pick up skateboarding I mean like I am too um, and zoomies was the only place I was able to get a skateboard and even then it said that it had low inventory for that specific deck um, so I'd imagine that because of all these actor activities that, you know, there's going to be up in sales in, a, in at least the skateboard category, maybe like not so much the clothing, but definitely when it comes to the skateboard and stuff, which I believe are already low margin. Um, so don't, don't like instantly buy calls with this, but I'm going to be just keeping an eye on zoomies just because i think i've given them at least like a few hundred dollars in like um sales in the like last two months so that's pretty cool to see uh, and then anything else i don't believe so i think that's it go back to the earnings chart um yeah i mean there's a lot of people always watching piton or peloton so i'll probably, I'll probably just look at that chart too that day and then uh, Kroger, I don't know, that's pretty snoozeville to me. So, um, And make sure that any of these companies that you decide to play earnings on, the open interest or volume looks nice. If it is low volume or low 
open interest, you're going to get gouged by the slippage or the difference between the bid and ask. And it's going to be very hard to enter and exit the position for the price that you want. Okay, now that that part's over, um, yeah, we did the first live stream uh, this this week. We or I live streamed what what was it like last Tuesday, September first, uh, and the turnout was great. I think we had like an average of like fifty viewers on the stream. We had a peak of like seventy nine, so that was really cool. Um, saw a lot of familiar names. Thank you for like stopping by. I mean. I am on Twitter like all the time and I, you know, the regular people that comment and all that good jazz, uh, seeing them in the live stream participating, that was super cool. And then my, some of my patrons were in there too. Some of my real life friends were in there. It was just a really good, wholesome time. And as I'm like honing in on like making the stream a little bit more smooth and making it look better, cause right now it looks super hurt. <laughs> it looks super, super hurt. So. Um, and it sounded pretty hurt too, because I have these like pink headphones that everyone saw finally, and the mic on the on the headphones really suck. And so this last live stream I did, because I did a bonus one or like a random one um, yesterday on Saturday, uh, just doing some like coding problems and answering some questions. Um, I'm I'm using my podcast mic now, so that's exciting. Um, I think I sound a lot better coming through this mic than my uh, pink headphone mic. Um, and what else? Um, yeah, I need to still give out the flair if you were one of the first 100 people to follow me on Twitch, which I plan to do on the next live stream, which by the time you hear this will be probably tomorrow. I don't know. If you, I, w I would imagine most of you listen to this on a Monday. Um, but this coming Tuesday... Uh, that is September 8th. I will be live streaming again at 6 p.m. Pacific time. That is 9 p.m. Eastern time. Um, and yeah, it's going to be really fun. Th again, this is going to be my schedule for like the rest of, I don't know, my life. <laughs> so every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Pacific time, uh, I'll be live streaming on Twitch. And the things that we do there include looking at charts together, going through the Tastyworks UI together, uh, starting up a challenge soon, um, you know, just asking general questions about how options work. Everyone gets a chance to like listen, make jokes, have a good time. Uh, and I think it's pretty fun. So I uh, hope to catch you guys and girls in the stream uh, on Tuesday. Next, a little tidbit here. Uh, one of my good friends, Betty, uh, actually linked me this meme, which spawned one of my tweets for this week. So I tweeted something along the lines of, uh, yeah, telling your date that you filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy is a quick way to not get a second one. <laughs> um, that tweet uh, was inspired by a meme that, again, Betty shared with me and said, if you get a loan at a bank, you pay it off for 30 years. If you rob a bank, you're out in 10 years. Follow me for more financial advice. So, I mean, there's a, there's so many of these like tweets that just like make you <laughs> that make you just think. <laughs> um, and I thought it was pretty funny. So, shout out to Betty for sending me that. Um, speaking of uh, just friends in general, it's just my friend Raymond started a loofah company. Um, and so I bought one, I'm going to do QA on it, 
uh, send them feedback and all that good jazz, just like how you guys and girls give me feedback on datagang.com and the podcast and the live stream and the Twitter and all that good jazz. Um, and my friend Stephanie started a fundraiser with a shirt design that says the love that the love you give. And I bought two of them, one to skate in and one to just like probably like frame later or something. Um, but this is just going to show that like I support my friends in whatever they do. Right, like if my friend started a food delivery business, I'm the first customer, even if he or she lived in the same house. Right, you have to support your friends uh, when you can. I understand a lot of my real life friends do listen to this, and if you don't like sign up for some of my stuff or you don't buy my stuff, I completely, I completely get it. Right, like a few episodes ago, I said that you don't have to support your friends. But what I'm trying to say is, in this episode, is that if you have the ability to, and if you have the time, it means a lot when a friend goes that extra step to support you. Um, Because it's one thing to be your friend in real life and kick it every day and stuff, but when it comes to like giving your friend like 20 bucks that you would normally spend on just like going out to eat anyway to support their dreams, that it's just like it's just that one next level of like support, right? Like. Sure, you're thinking, oh, it's just 20 bucks, it's not gonna make a difference, but it's definitely the thought that counts. So, you know, whenever I'm like scrolling through my Instagram stories and my friends, when I see someone start a fundraiser, or if they need to go on a mission trip to somewhere, or if they start a t shirt design, let me give you a little bit more background into Stephanie's thing. So, Stephanie is selling these shirts that not only have like a cool design, but the proceeds go to her and her friend. Um, and they buy and prepare care packages and literally hand them out to uh, homeless in LA. So I thought that was super dope, right? Like they're not like taking a cut of it or anything. They're like straight up just putting them to care packages and you know delivering a really strong message that they just genuinely care about the homeless population in Los Angeles. And for the friends in real life that do support me, uh, I have a few friends that are supporting me through Patreon, and I have a few friends that support me by buying my sweaters. I have a few friends that uh, help me moderate my Twitch channel, all that good stuff. Um, I know a lot of my listeners on this podcast have a side project going on um, that they have as well, and it's like you have to make sure that when a friend goes the extra mile even if it's just clicking a few more buttons to follow you to like your post or to buy your sweater or um you know sign up for your service or any of these things right like i mentioned like if some of my friends wanted to create a food delivery business i'd support them by you know being their first customer or something like that extra mile they go you have to understand that's a big leap for them too they had to go through like a few uis get sign up everything and so you have to thank them or be grateful that you have friends that do that it's very you're very lucky if friends do that for you um granted uh if you also have friends that don't follow your posts or or don't follow your account or don't like your posts or don't sign up for your services, whatever, you also can't be mad at them either. It's not like they hate you or anything. It's just that, you know, that's just not high enough on their priority for them to go that extra mile. So that's why I just say, you know, be grateful or be thankful for the friends that do support you, but don't like think like, oh, this person's not liking my stuff, so uh, they don't they don't support me. It's not about that. Like they like in person they would support you, they'd talk about it with you and all that good jazz. 
but you know out of scope of that just be grateful for the ones that do Okie dokie, uh, the new ThetaGang.com website updates. Um, the wheel tracker is still being worked on. Uh, I gave updates on that last episode. They're pretty much the same on that. Um, sorting uh, on the profile pages now, so like the PL for the trades, um, the sorting now works properly. I don't know how many of you might have noticed, but sometimes some of the numbers would not be in the correct sorting order. But now they are. So that's thanks to uh, JZN, a patron, uh, for, uh, for screenshotting it to me and helping me with the process of debugging it. So shout out to him for making the site a better place. <laughs> um, and then another notable change is on the profile page, uh, there was that uh, metric that said total P&L or total P uh, profit loss uh, it is now called net premium. So the reason for that change is because total P&L could get misconstrued as like your your absolute total P&L. And by that I mean like data gang does not track your stock. Um, and that's a huge part of everyone's uh, profit loss, right? So when it comes down to it, it didn't feel right um, having the word or phrase total profit loss when there's just a much better alternative and that being net premium because as you sell and buy contracts or open and close contracts on ThetaGang.com you are receiving and paying premium and the end goal of all those trades is your net premium and not so much your total profit loss uh, for example if you were to open a wheel and uh, get assigned at a strike price or assigned at a price much lower than your strike price, um, then you're going to be, you know, in the hole for a while, or you're going to need to sell covered calls for a while. And while you sell covered calls, you're not totally back to a positive PL just yet in your main in your total account, but you are collecting premium while you are negative. And while ThetaGang.com does not track a stock. Um, the total profit loss metric will not come back until then. There, this is just more motivation for me to come up with an intuitive UI to track stock. But for now, it, the total P&L will be called net premium, which is much more accurate. Um, total P&L or total profit loss will still be the case for individual trades. So if you close or open a trade, uh, total P&L will still be a metric there because that is only pertaining to the contract, right? That is a very, that's just one set of data that P&L actually means the profit loss in that context. But zooming out with all of your trades combined on your profile, net premium makes absolutely more sense. Okay, um, this is already going to a really short episode. Um, 
But I mean, that's good because it is super hot right now. It is 90 degrees here in Monterey Bay, and I don't think I've ever remembered as a kid of it of it like ever being 90 degrees. Um, I just imagine back home in Orange County. I looked at the weather; it's like 106 right now. So I mean, I don't, I can't really complain being up here. But Jesus, this it is so hot, and it's like you you expect it to be cooler when you're like right next to the ocean over here but it is not the case so let's just get on with this um circuit breakers uh they happened what during the covid crash right um i was experiencing one during my trip in cabo uh, and i got assigned 80k worth of stock uh a circuit breaker is when basically the stock market crashes too fast and there's certain thresholds for example seven percent thirteen percent and twenty percent of how much how much ever the stock goes down um the uh market will halt uh the halt is put by the government to make sure that you know as it reaches you know some negative seven percent that people can think about what they're doing for a little bit uh and then uh, maybe like persuade some people to not sell uh, their stock because it can get really emotional during these times when there is a huge downshift in movement So the government puts in place these checks or thresholds of 7% 13% 20% at least for the S&P 500 To halt the market for a few minutes to curb panic selling I see here on Investopedia that the current system of circuit breakers has been revised several times. So there, there could be a chance where you listen to this maybe, I don't know, a few years after this has been recorded and the thresholds are different. Um, but the premise and the purpose is still much going to be the same. It's just to, again, curb the need for panic selling or the, uh, <laughs> the thought of panic selling. So, you know... Looking back, um, it would have been nice if I had a crystal ball and I would have sold all my stock um, at that particular time when I first saw uh, the first circuit breaker or, you know, like uh, not because I wasn't necessarily assigned right at that first circuit breaker, um, but I could have closed my put or my short naked put, which is a positive play or a bullish play. I could have closed it early taken maybe like a 1k loss and then played puts on the way down that could have been a possibility but do you understand like how much of a crystal ball i would need to do that so um playing a circuit breaker and you know last thursday was pretty big right we saw like a negative nine percent on nvidia negative nine percent on uh, shopify negative six percent on apple it was a very scary day and i thought that maybe just maybe we might see a circuit breaker if had we not rebounded just a little bit um and just being in that you know gray area right now of we don't know where the market's going to go when it opens back up on tuesday if the sell-off continues i mean i'm not saying that a circuit breaker will happen i just thought this was a very thematic um topic to to just like base the conversation around because um, if you trade like a circuit breaker will happen, you're probably going to get got. Circuit breakers don't have to happen often. So if you're buying very far out the money puts, uh, you will get very, very bitter at any sort of bounce. 
and that bounce can turn into the next phase of this bull market rally and you will be left feeling very very bitter um, what I'm trying to do in this episode is try and talk you out of uh, doing at least a short-term one I mean you can have infinite amount of money to blow and buying puts would never be a bad idea just because you have infinite amount of money but what I'm trying to convey is that I'm pretty sure you just like myself have a finite amount of money and you should use it to the best of your ability so Think about this. If the stock market is going down, what's your favorite meme to quote, right? It's the buy the dip meme. So as the stock market is going down, as these circuit breakers trick uh, trigger, you should absolutely think about buying stock. You should absolutely think about maxing out your IRA. There are so many things we do during a circuit breaker rather than buy puts. Um, there's nothing more violent than a V-shaped recovery on an intraday because of a you know a tweet from Trump or Powell or any anybody for that matter, or just new news about a vaccine. Like there are so many things that can happen, and I can already hear in the back of your head, oh Judy, those those vaccine news are are just fake and they just pump up the market well but that's my point they still pump the market even if the tweet isn't so genuine right like i'm not saying that the vaccine is going to be coming soon i'm saying that there can be tweets where the vaccine is going to be coming soon and that can mess up your put position too and that's not your fault right like i'm protecting you from a mindset of you being on your like white horse uh and saying you know I'm the righteous one. I'm buying puts because we should correct and we should go down. And if we don't go down, then that means everyone else is a like everyone else is against me and everyone else is just corrupted. I'm trying to protect you from that mindset. When a circuit breaker happens or when we're heading downwards in a very sharp trajectory, this is the time where you should be excited as an investor because you've said it multiple times, although you might not stick with it. You say that you want to buy this company and you want to hold it for years, yet you don't because you'd rather liquidate that capital maybe for a loss or for a win and then move it into some contracts that offer more of a price swing because you've been jaded to uh, you know, stock market movement or, and that you need like derivatives like contracts that are leveraged to you know, excite you, which is not necessarily the best thing but like, as long as you're aware that that's the phenomenon that's happening, then that should be better for you, just better for your trading in general. So, like, looking back, rule number one should be when the stock market is going down like this, and if you don't have an IRA already set up, you need to set up an IRA 100%. I'm not gonna even give you a referral code. Just go up and look up a Wealthfront or look up Betterment. You should sign up for one of those and then start one because what you're doing is you're starting your IRA at a discount and it has a maximum of $6,000. If you're over 55, I think your maximum is like $7,000 or something like that. But this is a great deal because you know, whatever you make in your Robinhood account right now, you're gonna get taxed 30%. So you're only gonna receive 70% of it. Uh, any gains that you make inside your IRA, granted it only goes up with the stock market, Oh, excuse me, sorry. Uh, granted, that only goes up with the stock market. Uh, it doesn't get taxed at all. And that's huge. 
That is huge. And that's why there's a limit on that thing. So if you don't have an IRA and the stock market looks like it's going down, you better start your IRA now because this is the best time to do it. You don't want to start an IRA when it when we're at the tippy top of the market. No one really does. But granted, if we were at the tippy top of the market, I would still say the same thing. You still need to max out your IRA no matter what. But this is just a more of an incentive and to change your mindset that when we have a circuit breaker situation or that we have a very sharp downtrend, you need to max your IRA. Oh, but Judy, that's $6,000 I could use for contracts and I think I could make more than my IRA. Dude, I'm, I'm going to say right now that I don't think that's true. And I don't even want to egg you on and say to prove it to me because I think that's just irresponsible. Um, I wouldn't consider that advice, <laughs> but that's just that would be irresponsible of me to say that to you because um, I want what's best for you, uh, and I genuinely think that like if you don't have an IRA, like the best thing to do is just start one, especially during a downtrend. Um, but you do you though. You can you can tell me to blow off and I'll blow off. Like it doesn't matter to me. I'm just trying to help you out here. Um, but looking past that, like let's say for example you do have an IRA set up and now we're going through a circuit breaker and you have all these option positions open. Maybe you have a, a few in the money uh, wheels now or like some short naked puts are in, are in the money. Uh, you gotta be careful here of like very emotionally closing these out early um because we don't know if there's going to be a circuit breaker moment we don't know if it's gonna go all the way down back to the bottom what we do know is that if it does remain in the money you will get assigned and you will own the stock which is not a bad thing if you've already accounted for max loss right like you're already going to hold on to this stock Granted, it might be for a while, but you're not going to be losing or realizing losses there. You're going to be assigned stock and you're going to be down on the position, but that's what covered calls are for. I understand that if the stock keeps going down, those covered calls that you sell might not just be worth writing, but it's still a lot better than realizing the loss. Um, you know, I've exited some of my wheels early. Um, I've moved some positions around, but I wouldn't say I would ever really like close a short naked put for a loss. I'd rather get a sign first, lower the break even and get out that way, which is what I've demonstrated on www.thetagang.com slash Um, but an example of me like changing my mind on something is like I recently wrote a AMD wheel. You can again see that at www.thetagang.com slash Juni. Uh, that I exited with like $5 profit or like a dollar profit or something like that because I just waited for that to turn green because that's how my mind works. I, I don't like closing short naked puts for a loss like at all. Um, and I close that um, and I get the $8,000 of collateral back because my Tesla position that I opened is not doing awesome. It's doing all right. And I want to make sure that if I do get assigned Tesla at the strike price I wrote it at, that I want to make sure that I'm set up for success, that I have as much capital and I have a good mind to really make sure that I end up out of Tesla uh, in one piece. Because right now with the non-inclusion to S&P 500 and battery day coming up, it's going to be very volatile and I just want my mindset to be in the right place. So again, there are multiple reasons in, in why like you need to move positions around, close things early. That's absolutely okay. 
but you need to make sure that whenever you decide to close something early for a loss, that it's a very good reason. I would not consider closing something for a loss to buy calls on something a very good reason uh, because you need to trade based on facts, not hope. So it's a fact that you're about to take a loss by closing this short naked put early and it's a hope that you make money on those calls, right? So what happens if you close this for a loss and you don't make money on those calls, then you're doing even worse. So all of these things sound super obvious outside of the trading context. Like right when that bell rings on Tuesday, you're probably gonna forget all of this. Um, but it's just, if I make any sort of point in this episode where you're listening and something sticks, and then you start opening some trades on Tuesday or you're like managing some trades on Tuesday and you remember any of this stuff that we talked about, I did my job correctly, right? Like my, my point is not for every single one of these things I say or, you know, life lessons I give in the beginning of the podcast to, to really like not every single one should go into your head. But like if one of them stick and one of them like impacts your life positively, like I think that's my job or my job's done. Um... I think that's it. Um, I'm trying to think here. Let me let me go ahead and pause. Uh, I'll, I'm gonna give this a think over and see if I missed anything. I did, I did. So I also had another specific episode on this. This is just a, I guess a summary episode. Um, if you bet on the market going down, which I think is incredibly dangerous because the printer goes brrr, right? It, that's cool. Even though you retweet it and you like that meme a million times, you, you would still bet that the market would go down. I think that's fine. If you want to think the market's going to go down, you think the market's going to go down. But make sure that when you say that you're hedging, that you're actually hedging. I can't tell you how many people say that they're hedging, but they're just literally going all in on puts. Right, like if you have a $5,000 portfolio and you spend 2K on puts, that is not hedging. There's no way on earth that is called hedging. You take 1% of 5,000, what is that? One, 5,000, 5, how much is this? Uh, two times 100, what is that, $2? You are, no, $20. So now you're allowed to spend $20 on a put, right? And that's 100, well, that's 1% 1 of your portfolio. So let's say a maximum hedge is like 5% of your portfolio, right? You could spend $100 on a put, uh, and that is your like maximum for a hedge, right? Like you imagine you've liked that meme where, don't allocate too much for one position size. And you're like, yeah, that's so smart, dude. Yeah, 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 I think I'll do that. And then you get, you get, you open up your terminal on Tuesday and you see the market's down. And then now you're eyeing the far out the money put that cost $300 and you want to buy six of them or something. Like, where did your mind go from, yeah, diversification and max allocation size is a good thing to spending 3K or half of your portfolio on puts? Right, that, that's the most frustrating thing about like newer traders is that they have a very low attention span. Uh, granted, I have, I have a very low attention span too, but at least like I stick to some rules that keep me inside some boundary in case if I do look outside the box. 
Um, it takes a while to develop this box, um, but just remember of all the things that you've ever liked on Twitter or the investment that, advice that you read on Reddit, you know, those really good long posts on Wall Street Bets about some guy telling like, oh, you know, d you always diversify, don't buy too far out of the money, buy this Delta, and then you upvote it, and you're like, yeah, this is good content, yeah, I agree with all of this, this is so smart, and the next trading day, like, it's the same example, we go down 3%, and then you're eyeing the puts that cost $300 each, and you buy six of them, right? You have to start internalizing some of the things that you listen to, you don't have to internalize all of it, but you gotta internalize some of it, maybe like one at one at a time. So maybe you start with the max allocation size thing. Maybe you start actually limiting the size of your bets. Maybe you, uh, when you say that you're hedging something that you actually consider a hedge and you expect it to go all the way down to zero. So you plan on never closing the thing, right? Which is my hedging strategy. If I, if I decide to hedge um, my 100K portfolio, I'll buy like $1,000 worth of puts and then there won't be any sort of trigger on it. I will just like let that ride to zero if it does, or I'll ride that to whatever amount uh, it ends up at expiration on expiration day. Because a hedge is supposed to lose, right? Like if you if you genuinely hedge, right? That's supposed to make up the difference for your portfolio of it going down, right? Like that's, it's really hard to internalize that because you never want any of your positions to go down but if you really think about it a hedge is supposed to lose so when you open a hedge it's not supposed to stress you out you're supposed to like it when that hedge loses right um granted if the market trades flat and your hedge starts to lose that doesn't feel so good um but still it's a hedge for a reason so until you feel better about the market the hedge should stay on of course don't allocate too much to the hedge either but um yeah i hope this gives a little bit of perspective into like how you should be thinking about these tips that you're reading or the tips that you're hearing and like uh how to actually put these into action and what kind of mindset you need to uh stay with the plan or stay course because again it's a lot easier to write something to zero if it's only one percent of your portfolio if you hedge with half of your portfolio when it's not really a hedge you're you're sweating over your position you're losing sleep over your position because it's not really a hedge you're just banking on some short-term market movement to go in your favor aka down so you can make a few bucks and have it to continue back up or go down like who's in charge of determining when you're gonna stop hedging right if the market starts rebounding are you gonna continue to hedge like do you have a plan on when to take off the hedge so many things to think about but so little time left in the podcast so hope that got your brain uh, a little you know jump start to this week about how you want to refine your trading strategy um and as you know as always <laughs> i guess this is an as always thing uh, i'll be live streaming on tuesdays 6 p.m pacific time and if you want to stop by and you know ask a few questions about you know this week's podcast episode i think that would be super super sick um you know i think i've done a really good job of answering everyone's questions everyone is super wholesome in there um and i'm i'm just super excited about this new chapter of theta gang so thank you for all the guys and girls that are, have you know met me in the live stream or you know and just thank you for listening to the podcast 
this has all been really fulfilling and I just I love what I do so um, yeah this is the end of the episode I'll go into the outro uh, if you're gonna drop off here by all means goodbye otherwise I'll see you in the outro Okay, we're in the outro section now. So follow me on Twitch at Real Theta Gang. You can follow me on Twitter at Real Theta Gang. And you can email me at juni at thetagang.com. Uh, Theta Gang is proudly partnered with Tastyworks, and signing up with a Theta Gang referral is a huge help. Um, there, People just keep on using this code, and no one's reaching out to me saying, Hey, Juni, I signed up with this. Uh, you know, Hit me up. Uh, I've signed up a few this month. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, when I mean no one, I don't mean like absolutely no one. But, you know, I have a few, like, hundred people that used it. And it's like, or not a few hundred. I have about a hundred people that used it. And thank you for the support. And I appreciate the support. But if you want to cash in on this, uh, you know, this deal that I'm giving out or handing out, uh, by all means, email me at juniorthetagame.com and I'll set you up. So what it is is... Yeah, I give you a special cherry flare on the Theta Game website so you stick out a little bit more. Um, and then I give you access to the Twitter alerts so you get to see exactly what I open and when. But just as a preface, that Twitter alert service part is only for a month. So you get delisted after a month. But usually I give people like a month and a half or two months just because it's really no cost to me um, just to say thanks for helping support. Um, and then on top of that, um, you don't necessarily get to see the due diligence of it, um, of, of my trades, because the due diligence isn't in the tweet, because usually the due diligence is a little bit too long for the tweet length. So that's on the website, but you can only view the due diligence if you're a patron. So that's a very uh, Patreon-specific thing that I like to keep just from a patron. So if you are interested and you want to help uh, support the podcast and website, you can use, the again, the Theta Gang referral code, Theta Gang, all caps, one word. Uh, when signing up for Tastyworks, deposit $2,000 into your account and make sure it's a U.S.-based account, uh, and I'll go and set you up there. Um, I guess we're just going into the extended shout-outs here. Um as we approach the 1% gang here, um, I have been accounting really wrong. Um, so what's happened is I have been letting people on for too long out of negligence, but also like just like lack of accounting skills. So I finally, um, <laughs> I finally got my process down, I think. So this list is a little bit shorter. And so uh, we're just gonna read this off here. I'm gonna bring up the Rubik's Cube page. Um, I wasn't born to be an accountant, that is for sure. But it does feel good honing in on you know the process because it's not my system. It's just very much on Patreon. And Patreon, I've been looking at some of the reviews and yeah, I have to admit that some of the reviews, the negative ones at least are a little true. So here we go. I'm going to click here, boom. So extend a shout outs to 
uh, Bruce Odio, Flip Flop, GJ Wilson, Chicken Dinner, Norfist, France, Mitch Brady, Seven, Gaines Godwin, BK Trade, Fancy Wolf, Hunter Joe, Craig Thomas, Slow Motion, Mike D, Weenie Jr., El Finko, Hermes, Menno Dum Dum, Saltwater, Kira Kaput, Knob, Wayside, Spaz and Fish, The Jester, Heady, Lazy Reservist, Rustier, Shifty, Baked Potato, Maltman, Piccolone, ATM Machine, Leo Jetson, Make More 2, Ground Pound 95, Ensis 88, Mikos, Desencho, Kate, Gonzo Damas, Jacenet, Bat Trader, Crispy Cream Boy, AG, Lifesaver 87, JZN, Murph Q, XJS, Lord Skeletor, Packro, Cheddar, Matthew Hans, and Hassan. Ooh, 37.55. I was really bad with that timer because I don't have my other monitor to <laughs> to click this. Okay, 37.5. That is personal best, but that's also because the list is shorter. Uh, let's see here. Despite the list being shorter, there are more patrons on now than ever. There's only 200, or not ever, ever, but like in a pretty long time. There are only two spots open uh, that are on the $100 tier. And again, if you can't afford the $100 tier, please do not sign up for the $100 tier. Like you are not missing out on much. If you have, if you have the extra $100 to support the website podcast, by all means, sign up. Um, but if you are thinking and on the fence but can't really afford it like it's not it's, it's not worth it at the hundred dollar tier that's why the other tiers exist if hundred dollars again is not much to you by all means i think it's worth it but if you're a broke college student that you know can barely pay rent or can barely hang out with friends after class because you don't have enough money like the hundred dollars is better spent doing that um let's see what else yeah two spots left only on patreon so that's really cool um, wait, where was I gonna? Oh, uh, yeah, there you go. 37.55. I'll just put it here. Mm. So that's it. Um, the sweaters are still being printed, or the crew necks. Um, wow, I cannot imagine wearing one right now, but we are approaching winter, so that's gonna come in handy soon. I imagine the sweaters are going to cost a hundred dollars. Um, and it looks like my profit margin on them, uh, I don't know the percentage because I'm really bad, <laughs> but I would probably be making $30 a profit selling uh, selling it at $100. Um, and that's like the margin of the costs of the sweater. That's not like my time or like um, what else, like my time and stress about it either. So... That's gonna be cool. I imagine I'd be donating the proceeds to. Oh, uh, actually, I got a really cool um, suggestion from Twitter saying that I should donate some of the proceeds to the Hurricane Fund. Hurricane, or is it Irma? What are we on now, Florence? I don't, I don't know how this stuff works. Hurricane Florida. Um, dude, I thought I could have sworn there was one. Well, I'll do more research into it. But yeah, I got suggestions into um, uh, donating to a hurricane fund because of the hurricanes that have been happening. So I thought that was cool. Um, and I want to join NAMI, which is National Association, uh, National Alliance on Mental Illness. Uh, I think that would be pretty cool because I've seen um, Leon Hart. He opens Pokemon packs on YouTube and he pushes NAMI a lot. And I thought that was pretty cool of him. And so, oh, this is NAMI Florida. I just want NAMI. Or is NAMI just based, straight up based in Florida? Yeah, 
maybe don't know i have to do more research into this too but anything to do with mental illness i'm always down to support i you know you guys and girls know about my mom and a little bit about myself so it is it is nice donating to a cause that you can really relate to it just hits a little different um what else the live stream yeah uh, I was so nervous on the live stream that I forgot to drink my Diet Coke. I mean, I go through Diet Coke really easy. And by the end of the live stream, I just had a full, warm, opened Diet Coke that I never drank out of just because I was just too nervous. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. Um, like I said, I still have to give out the uh, the flair for the Twitch stuff for being the first 100 followers to follow me. I have a list of the Twitch followers, so I'll probably give them out on stream. I'll probably think of some format to say like, uh, give me your uh, Theta Gang username, I'll check to see if you're on here, and then give you the flare then. Um, anything else? Uh, oh, I kind of skipped this bullet point, um, but I picked up NVIDIA and Apple uh, and I also dumped CLCT. So a little backstory into that is my Tesla position is not doing, you know, that well. It's not so red that it's like blaringly obvious I'll get assigned. But I just wanted to be better prepared for it just in lieu of like the Thursday and Friday price action. So I dumped CLCT for a profit of like, I think in total it was like 2k. And then that's like not counting the premium I received on top for selling covered calls. Um, and then I picked up some NVIDIA and Apple. So I picked up NVIDIA at like negative 8% on Thursday. And I picked up Apple at like negative 5% on Thursday as well. So I'm slowly building up my tech portfolio in, in lieu of this sell-off. So that feels pretty good. I should have really talked about this during the podcast. I just like totally forgot about this bullet point. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess this is what you get for listening this far. <laughs> um, that's it. Yeah, I'm gonna keep this short and sweet. It's getting a little hot in my room. I'm gonna go chill with my mom and then, um, yeah, have a awesome week. I'll see everyone on the live stream if you, uh, if you want to come by and stick around. Um, if not, by all means, I'll just see you on the next podcast. Have an awesome week. Bye bye.